0: where churches in general have to take a stand is to say, we cannot be legally cautious at the expense of doing what's morally right. We have to do right by the people who have survived abuse under our watch, regardless of the legal ramifications. There's so many churches that think they can shove something under the rug for decades at a time and think it will just go away and it just never does. Christianity Today has dropped a bombshell report. It's truly heartbreaking and it's incredibly disappointing and disheartening. We're gonna get into it. The Southern Baptist refused to act on abuse despite secret list of pastors. It gets just as bad as you think it's gonna get. Investigation SBC executive committee staff saw advocates' cries for help as a distraction from evangelism and a legal liability, stonewalling their reports and resisting calls for reform. We're gonna get into this, it's it's huge, it's awful. Um, one of the things we're gonna look at is how we as pastors and church leaders can learn from this because there just continues to be so many stories like this in so many different denominations and the Southern Baptists are among the worst according to this Report. Before we get into it, I want to welcome you. My name is Lane. This is Preaching Donkey. Typically, at Preaching Donkey, we talk about preaching, how you can improve your preaching, how you can deliver with more confidence and more clarity than ever before. I want to invite you to download my guide for free. If you go to preachingdonkey.com 21 days, you can pick up my free 21-day guide to creating killer sermons. It's a three-week, three-step process that will walk you through how to create and deliver compelling life-changing messages. So whether you've been preaching for a long time and you're looking for a fresh new resource or if you're just getting started and you're looking for something to help you get started in your preaching ministry, there's something in there for you. So go to preachingdonkey.com/21days totally for free. All right, let's dive into this. This is Kate Shellnut reporting. This just dropped yesterday. They dropped this on Sunday at three o'clock. Armed with a secret list of more than 700 abusive pastors, Southern Baptist leaders chose to protect the denomination from lawsuits rather than protect the people in their churches from further abuse. Just that opening sentence should say everything that we need to know that there was a decision, a deliberate decision made by the executive committee of the Southern Baptist Convention to protect itself, essentially, and protect its bottom line rather than protect the people that we are called to lead and serve in our churches. Survivors, advocates, and some Southern Baptists themselves spent more than 15 years calling for ways to keep sexual predators from moving quietly from one flock to another by the way this is something that happens all the time where you have one pastor at a church who uh, abuses or uh, is found to be have a moral failing and that person instead of being held accountable is really just kind of they step down from that church and that church and its leaders really don't do a good job of helping that person get better, holding that person accountable and warning people about him. What happens is that pastor just kind of quietly goes over to another church down the street or across the country or across the state, and they repeat offend. The men who controlled the executive committee, EC, which runs day-to-day operations of the Southern Baptist Convention, the SBC, knew the scope of the problem, but working closely with their lawyers, they maligned the people who wanted to do something about abuse and repeatedly rejected pleas for help and reform. I don't know why this is surprising. It shouldn't be, At this point, nothing should surprise me, but I don't want to be that cynical about the church and its workings, but this is awful. Uh, Working with their lawyers, these people just wanted the victims to go away. Behind the curtain, the lawyers were advising to say nothing and do nothing, even when the callers were identifying predators still in SBC pulpits. So you've got people calling saying, this person abused me and they're still pastoring at one of your churches. The investigation centers responsibility on members of the EC staff and their attorneys and says the hundreds of elected EC trustees were largely kept in the dark. EC General Counsel Augie Bodo and longtime attorney Jim Gwenthar advised the past three EC presidents, Ronnie Floyd, Frank Page, and Morris Chapman that taking action on abuse would pose a risk to SBC liability and polity, leading the presidents to challenge proposed abuse reforms. (sighs) As renewed calls for action emerged with the hashtag Church2 and hashtag SBC2 movements, Bodo referred to advocacy for abuse survivors as, quote, A satanic scheme to completely distract us from evangelism. This is another tactic that I feel like is so tired and so, I just, to, to basically say these people have this legitimate concern, but we're going to delegitimize it in a way that is cloaked in spirituality. So we'll call it satanic. And really what we mean is it's a nuisance. Survivors, in turn, described the soul-crushing effects of not only their abuse, but the stonewalling, insulting responses from leaders at the EC for 15-plus years. Krista Brown, a longtime advocate who experienced sexual abuse by her pastor at 16, said her, quote, "...countless encounters with Baptist leaders who shunned and disbelieved her left a legacy of hate." and communicated you are a creature void of any value you don't matter gosh that's heartbreaking as a result she said instead of her faith providing solace her faith has become a neurologically networked with nor- neurologically networked with a nightmare she referred to it as soul murder i firmly believe that god will hold accountable leaders who put their followers through this kind of thing, especially when it comes to spiritual leaders and people who they have been charged to care for. This is, this is, this, it should not be this way. Another victim, Debbie Vasquez, was repeatedly sexually assaulted by an SBC pastor starting at the age of 14. When one assault led her to pregnant, led, led to her pregnancy, she was forced to apologize in front of the church but forbidden to mention the father. The pastor went on to serve at another Southern Baptist church. And when Vasquez reached out to the EC, her entreaties were ignored and evaded for years until a Houston Chronicle investigation three years ago. Over the past 20 years, meanwhile, a string of SBC presidents failed to appropriately respond to abuse in their own churches and seminaries. In several instances, leaders sided with individuals and churches that had been credibly accused of abuse or cover-up. One former president, Pastor Johnny Hunt, sexually assaulted another pastor's wife in 2010, investigations found. At the annual meeting in Anaheim, California next month, one year after they voted to launch the investigation, thousands of SBCs, thousands of Southern Baptists will decide if they are ready to make the dramatic and costly changes the report recommends for the sake of survivors and church safety. Amid my grief, anger, and disappointment over the grave sin and failures this this report lays bare, I earnestly believe that Southern Baptists must resolve to change our culture and implement desperately needed reforms said sbc president ed lytton in a statement to ct the time is now we have so much to lament but genuine grief requires a godly response so at this point it looks like the sbc really has a little bit of a too little too late situation going on like the last couple of decades of ignoring and maligning victims, and now we're gonna fix it. But at least there is an admission that things have to change. Guidepost Solutions, the third party investigative firm, wants the 13 million member denomination to create an online database of abusers offer compensation for survivors, sharply limit non-disclosure agreements, and establish a new entity dedicated to responding to abuse. The directives in the 288 page report will sound familiar to survivors and advocates who have been calling for these measures all along. So it looks like there is a very clear way that the SBC can respond to this by the database, the compensation, the getting rid of the NDAs or at least limiting them altogether um and then a uh making a way to respond to abusers rather than maligning them and ignoring them that would go a long way how many kids and congregants could have been spared horrific harm if only the executive committee had taken action back in 2006 when i first wrote to them urging specific concrete steps and how many survivors could have been spared the re-traumatizing hell of trying to report clergy sex abuse into a system that consistently turns its back Asked Brown in a 2021 letter, the SBC Executive, Committee long, Executive Committee's long-standing resistance to abuse reforms has now yielded a whole new crop of clergy sex abuse victims and survivors re-traumatized in their efforts to report. So what happens is somebody has the traumatic, horrific experience of being abused by a member of clergy, only to feel a sense of re-abuse when they report it, and it goes unheard and ignored and maligned. As they anticipated the release of the report, current interim EC president Willie McLaurin and EC chairman Roland Slade quoted Ecclesiastes, God will bring every act to judgment according to every hidden thing, whether good or evil. The current leaders urged Southern Baptists to be receptive to the bad news. This is a time and season to search out our shortcomings, a time to embrace the findings of the report, a time to rebuild trust, of Southern Baptist and a time to heal by meeting the challenges required with the necessary changes expected. Largest investigation in SBC history. The report represents a $2 million undertaking involving 330 interviews and five terabytes of documents collected over eight months. The EC also committed another 2 million toward legal cost around the investigation, making it a total investment of $4 million funded by churches and conventions giving into the cooperative program. So if you don't know how the SBC works, you've got all these churches, tens of thousands of Southern Baptist churches that all contribute to what's called a cooperative program. And that cooperative program funds is what kind of keeps that machine going. It funds the International Mission Board, the North American Mission Board, and a whole host of other things within the denomination. Advocate Rachel Denhollander who advised the SBC task force that coordinated the investigation, tweeted, the level of transparency transparency is unparalleled. It's the largest investigation in SBC history. It's already changed the makeup of the EC and stands to determine the trajectory of the 177-year-old denomination. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to see some good news here. If that's correct, and I take it on its face, that they at least, they spent $4 million having themselves investigated and there was some transparency. Again, these people can't. We can't go back and and make what has happened right. There's still there's still a massive amount of trauma and suffering, uh, at on these people's hands. But at least we can have a better way forward. The guidepost inquiry included privileged legal communications on abuse over the past 20 years. A provision that led EC President Ronnie Fluor to resign in October, and the law firm of. Uh, Gwynthar, Jordan, and Price to withdraw their services after 60 years. According to the report, the law firm actively advised the EC against taking responsibility for abuse. Gwynthar, Gwynthar worked alongside Bodo, an attorney who was involved in the EC from the 90s to, the, to 2019, serving as a trustee, vice president, general counsel, and interim president. He was an ally of Paige Patterson during the conservative resurgence. Last year, Bodo was barred from holding any positions within the Southern Baptist Entities as a result of a legal settlement involving financial moves after Patterson was fired from an SBC seminary over mishandling a rape allegation. So Paige Patterson was the president of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, and he was involved in, uh, obviously, a scandal Uh, Of course. Bodo and Gwynther turned every discussion of abuse to a discussion of protecting the EC from legal liability, making that their highest priority. So here's where I feel like the EC has gone wrong. This is where I feel like so many of us, kind of church leaders, pastors, where so much of this happens is something will happen in a church. There's a legit accusation, there's a moral failing, there's something that happens. And legal counsel is always going to caution, in every case, you are their client, they are going to warn you to be as cautious as possible. That is their job. Where church leaders, and in this case that you see, where churches in general have to take a stand is to say, we cannot be legally cautious at the expense of doing what's morally right. We have to do right by the people who have survived abuse under our watch, regardless of the legal ramifications. And if we protect ourselves legally now, it will come back up later. These people are gonna be re-traumatized and our church, the executive committee, the denomination, whatever it may be, is going to be ran through the ringer over this if we don't deal with it right, right now. There's so many churches that think they can shove something under the rug for decades at a time and think it will just go away and it just never does. When abuse allegations were brought to the EC, including allegations that convicted sex offenders were still in ministry, EC leaders generally did not discuss this information outside of their inner circle, often did not respond to the survivor and took no action to address these allegations so as to prevent ongoing abuse or such abuse in the future, the report said. Almost always the internal focus was on protecting the SBC from legal liability and not caring for survivors or creating any plan to prevent sexual abuse within SBC churches. So not only were they not taking care of abuse survivors, but there was no thing put in place to make sure this didn't happen in the future. It was as if the entire EC put their head in the sand and said, we are going to just act like this is not happening and protect our own. It's absolutely shameful. The Southern Baptist Convention proudly says it's a group of autonomous churches. They join together for mission work, fellowship, and training, but the convention has no hierarchy. It doesn't ordain or appoint pastors, nor does it hold authority over the 47,000 churches that have chosen to affirm its faith statements and give to its cooperative program. That lack of oversight means that when something goes wrong at an SBC church or entity, the EC can claim it's not to blame. The churches are independent. The legal counsel argued that the more denominational leaders directed churches to deal with abuse, the more it would assume liability for mistakes and mishandling. Back in 2000, the report said, Patterson saw abuse prevention training as a way to defend against lawsuits telling a pastor that churches could document some effort to educate those who worked among children as to how to watch for and respond to dangers wouldn't have litigation against them moving forward. In other words, he's saying as long as you run your volunteers, your staff that work with kids through some kind of anti-abuse training, you can check the box that we did what we need to do legally and you can move forward. Not much Beyond that, as a, as a president at Southeastern South and Southwestern seminaries, Patterson discouraged two women who shared rape allegations from reporting them. He was fired from Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in 2018 over his response and has been sued along with a seminary by the female student from Southwestern. Patterson's associate, Paul Presler... An attorney and leader during the conservative resurgence also faces litigation over claims that he used his power to abuse young boys. And the SBC itself named is named in the suit. Neither Patterson nor Pressler, a former executive VP of the SBC and former EC member, agreed to be interviewed for the investigation. Though Patterson's lawyer submitted a two-page document. Patterson and fellow former SBC president Jerry Vines have come under scrutiny for their previous support of Daryl Gilliard, a pastor with a string of sexual misconduct allegations dating back to the 90s the report quotes an ec member who in an email said 44 women came to the two sbc leaders about gilliard in almost every instance they were reportedly shamed for it and left feeling like they were not believed from all published accounts it seemed it seems gill gilliard moved from church to church and left ruined lives in the wake EC attorneys Ginthar and Bodo discussed the ideas of a database of abusers as early as 2004 in response to Brown. The subject came up again in 2007 after a a motion at the annual meeting. The EC staff did not move forward with the idea at that time. Gwinther wrote in an email that he worried about a duty to warn a court might think was owed by the SBC, and yet with the help of spokesman and vice president roger singh oldman an unnamed ec staff member they did keep a list at bodo's request the report said a, the staffer collected news clippings and tracked abusive pastors in a table with name year state and denomination the first version in 2007 included 66 people arrested or sued over abuse by 2022 the list grew to 703 with 409 believed to belong to SBC-affiliated churches. A watershed 2019 Houston Chronicle series which spurred new attention around abuse response and prevention uncovered 380 SBC-affiliated pastors accused of sexual abuse. Even as the secret list of abusive ministers grew, however, the EC leaders focused their criticism on survivors and advocates. Understand what we just read. There's 700 pastors that they know of that are in churches, 400 of which are in SBC churches, people who have abused in the past, who probably will likely abuse in the future, who may be abusing now. And instead of taking action on that and bringing that to light, the EC focused their attention on criticizing survivors and advocates. They complained the survivors didn't understand the polity of the SBC and were out to get the denomination. Patterson called the advocacy group SNAP, Survivors Network of Those Abused by Priests, just as reprehensible as sex criminals. An EC member said Brown, who ran StopBaptistPredators.org, where she featured survivor stories and posted public reports on abusive ministers, was a person of no integrity. Bodo saw the devil at work in their efforts in an email obtained by Guidepost. He wrote, this whole thing should be seen for what it is. It is a satanic scheme to completely distract us from evangelism. There we go again. Satanic <clears throat> scheme to completely distract from the main thing, which is evangelism. The problem with that is you can't ignore abuse when it's right in front of you. You can't ignore abuse victims when they're telling you what's happening. You can get to evangelism in a second. First, deal with the garbage that's happening in your denomination. It's not the gospel he goes on. It's not even part of the gospel. It is a misdirection play. Yes, Krista Brown and Rachel Del, uh Den Hollander, have succumbed to an available availability heuristic because of their victimizations. They've gone to the SBC looking for sexual abuse, and of course they found it. Their outcries have certainly caused an availability cascade, but they are not to blame. This is the devil being temporarily successful. So that's a common tactic uh, to just claim Satanist. According to an unnamed EC staff member, in nearly every instance in the past when victims have come to those in power in the SPC they have been shunned, shamed and vilified. At the EC we have inherited a culture of rejecting those who question power or accuse leaders. This is so typical. I mean it just the story just kind of writes itself. It's 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 unpalatable and it's sickening and I wish it was more surprising but here we are. Key Southern Baptist leaders didn't just disbelieve and insult survivors, though. In some cases, they aligned themselves with convicted or confessed perpetrators and helped them personally. The report includes several several examples. Mike Stone, the former chair of the EC and a candidate in the 2021 race, for SBC president, helped craft an apology for a pastor friend of his after the pastor was found to have been exchanging explicit text messages with a member of his congregation in 2019. Aggie Bodo testified as a character witness for Nashville gymnastics coach Mark. Uh, whatever his last name is, who have been convicted in 2003 of molesting a 10-year-old girl, Jack Graham, SBC president from 2002 to 2004, didn't report a music minister who was fired in 1989 after Prestonwood Baptist Church learned he molested a child. The minister went on to another church and was convicted for his crimes at Prestonwood more than 20 years later. So again. Here we have an offender at one church quietly goes to some other church, reoffends there. So now some other child has to go through this trauma that this other child faced because these people would not hold them accountable in the first place. It's absolutely sickening. The church categorically denies the way the report characterizes the incident 33 years ago. Current executive pastor Mike Buster said in a statement, Preston Wood has never protected or supported abusers in 1989 or since. So that, there's their statement on that. Maybe maybe there's more to it. Steve Gaines, SPC president from 2016 to 2018 knew that a minister on staff at his church Bellevue Baptist had previously abused a child but didn't disclose it until it came up on a blog. <laughs> Jeez, and the investigative I mean the how in the world is abuse of children abuse of anyone but especially abuse of children taken so lightly that it can be known and ignored. I I this just it's so beyond me. I can't understand why there's not a more of an emphasis placed on protecting children within these churches. Instead, all the emphasis seems to be placed on protecting the church and its leaders at the expense of children. The investigative report also found instances where ec leaders themselves crossed moral lines frank page the president of the ec resigned suddenly in march 2018 an official statement said the resignation was due to a morally inappropriate relationship the ec did not investigate whether it was consensual nor did they look into if his conduct carried over into the workplace johnny hunt SBC president 20 from 2008 to 2010 groped and kissed the wife of a younger pastor a month after his presidential term ended and told the couple to keep his secret. Good grief. Hunt's sexual assault had not been previously reported. The woman and her husband, an SBC pastor, came forward during the investigation to share with Guidepost what had happened. Hunt, former pastor of First Baptist Church of Woodstock in Georgia, had been senior VP at the SBC's North American Mission Board before resigning in May of 2013, resigning May uh, 13th southeastern baptist theological seminary has a chair position named in his honor of course they do but by the couple's account they are 24 years younger than hunt who offered to assist them with their ministry at one point he arranged a place for the woman to stay during a visit to panama city beach where hunt was spending his sabbatical good night then he entered the condo unit when the woman was alone and sexually assaulted her pulling down her clothes pinning her on the couch groping her and kissing her after the July 2010 incident, the couple met with Hunt at his church. He warned them if they said anything, it would negatively impact the over 40,000 churches Dr. Hunt represented. So now he's concerned about the reputation of the 40,000 churches. It's not just about him. It's now about the churches and re- re- referred them to, to Counselor Roy Blankenship of HopeQuest Ministries. Oh, okay. I'll refer you to a counselor after I abuse you. Blankenship confirmed something happened between the wife and Hunt and told investigators Hunt should have been the one to stop it, but it takes two to tangle. Okay. In an interview with Guidepost, Hunt denied assaulting the woman and said he never entered her condo. The Guidepost investigators found three additional witnesses to cooperate parts of the woman and her husband's account. They did not find Hunt's statements credible. Hunt has previously been associated with apologist Robbie Zacharias and was a special guest in the 2009 grand opening of The Spa, where Zacharias abused massage therapist. Last year, Hunt decried Zacharias' abuse, describing it as sin against so many innocent women. If you remember what happened with Robbie Zacharias, he had a massive kind of post-mortem, everything came to light of what he had done when he was in ministry with RZIM. Messenger supported reforms. Following the hashtag MeToo movement, SBC survivors drew major attention from the news media. In 2018, Jules Woodson, who was sexually assaulted by her youth pastor during the New York uh, told the New York Times what it was like to see a church applaud him after he vaguely confessed to a sexual incident. That same time, Megan Lively told the Washington Post how Paige Patterson had told her not to report rape to police. In 2019, the Chronicle investigated. Chronicle investigation profiled more survivors. As a result, Southern Baptists spoke out and took action. The messengers at the annual meetings adopted resolutions affirming women's dignity and condemning abuse. They voted to amend their bylaws to explicitly name as grounds for dismissal from the SBC. They tasked a committee with making recommendations if a church was in violation. In 2018, they also elected a president who made responding to abuse a central part of his agenda. Under J.D. Greer, the SBC introduced training around preventing and responding to abuse, the Caring Well initiative, and held conferences to hear from survivors, experts, and pastors. That really is a bright spot in all this, that under new leadership, I know J.D. Greer is no longer there, there's a new president now, but under new leadership, there was some efforts to right this ship, but again, the damage is so deep. It's a lot too little too late. But according to the Guidepost report, almost all of these efforts were met with criticism and resistance by certain EC leaders who said that prioritizing the issue of abuse could lead to lawsuits. Sometimes the divide was clear from the outside. Greer, as SPC president, referenced abuse 81 times during his address at the annual meeting, while Floyd, as EC president, didn't mention it as a priority in his Vision 2025 plan. Behind the scenes, the guidepost report shows the EC legal counsel advised people to downplay the issue. They pressured the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, the ERLC, not to refer to sexual abuse in the SBC as a crisis and avoid inflammatory language, like saying that a denomination had failed survivors. EC members tried to censor criticism of the SBC's handling of abuse and decried any efforts to allow survivors and abuse experts to speak at SBC events. Guys, this is really not good at all, Floyd wrote in one email obtained by investigators. We cannot have SBC entities placing people on platforms, calling out matters about the SBC and some of its leaders and former leaders. All the work on unity is getting challenged. So one of the major lessons here is so much of the response from the SBC and especially the EC, the executive committee, is again protecting the institution at the expense of the Uh, uh, the abused much more emphasis needs to be placed on the, the the organization it is not the priority the priority is the survivor the priority is the victim let's care for them and it seems like so much emphasis was just placed on hey let's protect our own backsides and let's call it unity these intra-SPC clashes and threats became public a year ago in leaked letters, recordings, and capturing communications from former ERLC leaders Russell Moore, now a theologian and resident for CT, and Philip uh, Bethencourt. The documents were a wake-up call to pastors suggesting efforts by ERLC leaders to intimidate survivors and resist reform. They spurred demands for an investigation into the EC. We were shocked. Grant Gaines, a Tennessee pastor who made the motion to investigate the EC, told CT last year, "We shouldn't have been. These survivors, their stories are out there. One story that has played out in public, eye, in the public eye, is Jennifer Lyles. She was abused by a seminary professor." but a march 2019 article in baptist press which is run by the ec characterized her abuse as an affair at the time of publication lyle was a lifeway executive and the highest ranking woman in the sbc the val- the validity of her account was backed by the southern seminary president al moeller Lyle ended up leaving her job and suffering physical and mental distress as a result of the backlash, as well as the months-long saga to get the story corrected and seek restitution. In a Twitter thread after a report released, Lyle described having to wait out the tensions between the EC, which controlled the correction, to the article about her and was on alert at the time for how other SBC figures talked about abuse and leaders at other entities who stood by her story could have faced retaliation for speaking up she received an apology from the ec in february 2022 and an undisclosed settlement the ec trustees guidepost said were uh, weren't aware that she had pursued defamation claims and had previously received a settlement in may 2020 as well Hannah Kate Williams also sued the EC for negligent, negligence and responding to abuse by her father who was employed, by, employed at SBC entities as well as for alleged efforts to malign her as she went public with her case. EC attorneys criticized Greer for repeating the names of 10 churches that were reported in the Houston Chronicle investigation for employing abusive pastors and asking an EC subcommittee to look into them. Gwynthar said that they were going to be sued for libel and work to clear the church's names. Bodo called one to apologize. So they won't even, they didn't even want Greer, the SBC president, to publicly mention churches that were mentioned publicly in an article by a news publication months later Bodo uh, opposed the creation of the credentials committee which would look at whether a church has violated criteria around abuse or other issues that would make it no longer in friendly cooperation with the SBC let's take a look at the new entity and other recommendations the task force that oversaw and released the EC investigation sees public lament as a first step in responding to the investigation they've also asked that the Southern Baptists vote to establish a new task force that can be that can evaluate how to implement and recommend changes in accordance with Baptist polity. The report offers 30 pages of recommendations for the EC and the credentials committee, including creating a permanent entity to oversee sexual abuse response and prevention, launching an offender information system, an online database churches can use, can can voluntarily participate in to report substantiated abuse or cover-up, publishing a list of disfellowshipped churches and individuals whose ordinations or degrees were revoked, facilitating programs to assist survivors and provide compensation from SBC giving to cover medical and psychological help, issuing an apology to survivors and erecting a memorial, adding a Survivor Sunday to the SBC calendar, prohibiting non-disclosure agreements except when requested by victims, requiring a code of conduct for entity employment or attending a seminary, hiring a chief compliance officer or ethics and compliance officer to the EC staff. We must resolve to give our time and resources to not only care well for survivors of sexual abuse, but to provide a culture of accountability, transparency, and safety as we move forward, the task force said in a statement released with the report. We acknowledge that any act of repentance requires ongoing, deliberate, dedicated obedience and sacrifice, 100%. This is calling our Savior to unite as a body. This is the calling of our Savior to unite as a body and following after him. Krista Brown, the abuse survivor and advocate, said in her submission to Guideposts that she had held, not held out hope for meaningful change, but still prayed that the report may bring a small measure of justice. The Southern Baptist Convention has a moral obligation to protect the lives, bodies, and humanity of kids and congregants in its affiliated churches, to provide care and validation for all who have been sexually abused by Southern Baptist clergy, she wrote to ensure accountability for abusers and enablers and to create systems that will ensure these inhumane and unconscionable travesties do not persist into future generations. I want to mention something right here that we must resolve to give our time and resources to not only care well for survivors of sexual abuse, but to provide a culture of accountability, transparency, and safety. When we are considering how we move forward as churches, whether you're an SBC church or not, doesn't matter. If you do not have within your church a culture of accountability, meaning that everybody top to bottom is held accountable for their actions, for how they lead. And if you don't have a culture of transparency, meaning that there is nothing being covered up, you are an open book and you are dealing with things out in the open that need to be dealt with out in the open. And safety, You actually give a crap about who is in your church, who's working with children, who is on your minister staff, who is on your support staff. You actually care about who these people are, what their background is, how they behave, and how you ensure that children and congregants are protected from potential predators who could be posed as good people. If those three things aren't there, then your church will just be a microcosm of what we see here, which we don't... Obviously, we don't want. This is a tragic, tragic report. I very much hope and pray that this brings on changes. And this line here the Southern Baptist Convention has a moral obligation to protect the lives, bodies, and humanity of kids and congregants in its affiliated churches and to provide care and validation for all who have been sexually abused by Southern Baptist clergy. I hope that happens moving forward. I hope that we see actual changes and I hope that the people who have covered this up, are held accountable, and that we can move forward with more transparency and honesty. That's what I'm praying for and hoping for. Let me know what you think in the comments below. Be sure to subscribe to this channel if you haven't yet. We usually talk about preaching, church leadership. Grab your free guide over at preachingdonkey.com slash 21 days, and I'll see you in the next video.